All right. That's cool. Well, this is uh, our first podcast. Uh, we had our little hangout session in the cage. And, uh, I'm just a little upset because we never got to wrestle. I know. We, we, I mean, I feel like we, we need to leave activities for the next time. Honestly, on my way in, I'm like, I am so going to charge you and jump on you. But then I was like, well, I'm going to hurt myself. Good thing you did. Jordan didn't have cameras running, so it all been for nothing. Once I, I folded you up like a pretzel. You would have. You know what? Can I, the one, you know, somebody who amazingly is freakishly strong mm-hmm. in that um, impressed me way back is in 02, uh, uh, Ruling Gardner. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it wasn't 02. He was, it was 06, 04 for the Summer Olympics. But he came in and, uh, you know, just like Derek Parra and, and uh, Bill Schufenauer and Tristan Gale and all those guys, I got to bring them in and they held up their medals in 02. Rulin came in and in suit back then, I bet you I weighed 250, something like that, close to. And brought him out there and he's holding up his medal and he came in and picked me up, held me over his head and I remember sitting there like, oh yeah, this is great. And I felt him turn me and he started to body slam me. And that was one of those moments where my thought process was just because I felt myself coming to the floor hard and I'm like, he is crazy. I'm like going, he's going to break my back. I remember freaking out and I just tensed up and he just went and literally about that far just stopped and, held you, held you. and just held me and then picked me up and stood me on my Just, feet. Just letting you know, John, that you're... Oh, freakishly strong. I have never, ever to this day felt anything. I mean... Really? Yeah. Just being Yeah, there's a few men like that. That's... Yeah, you get that daddy strength. It's crazy. Yeah. No. That's what, yeah, that's what Adam Goodsell has. You know My what friend else is Adam Goodsell over there. <laughs> He's got that daddy strength. <laughs> you know what else is interesting is, is with athletes and stuff like that is uh, what they do. Because there's one, like his name is Scott Hessington. He was with the Orlando Magic. And he would throw up. All the time, every before every appearance. Oh, uh, buddy of mine, Jason Grilly, he closer. He'd throw up before every game. Isn't that weird? Every time he's going to go in, he's right in the bullpen, right to the toilet, and then go. I think that's where you get that. Their body's going in that flight or flight mode, and yeah. you get that stomach feeling. I think when that hits them, bleh, all right, he's ready to roll after that, though. If I, if I threw up, he I feels better. Like he, he says, if he doesn't throw up. Doesn't feel right. Really? So in 02, we brought in Tristan Gale, and she was going to sled down the stairs and race me, you know? So she oh. had her helmet on, we got her sled, and, I was, and I'm like, why, why do you have a bucket? <laughs> and she's like, that's my puke bucket. Uh-huh. And I go, what? And, and she's like, I puke before every race. So that's a, right as she goes into the zone. But she, she had her own bucket. If you're telling me the zone doesn't do something to you physiology, oh. there you go. There, you know... Um, it does something to your gut. It does something to your brain. It's it's a weird thing. It, you know, uh, I think just after training the way you guys do and stuff, and all those years from Little League, you know, all the way up, is I think that, like you said, is your body, it just, it, it, there's definitely a switch. You know, it's just like, uh, how do I explain, like an actor, yeah. you know? You, you could, like, uh, uh, what's a great example? Like, you know, Robin Williams, you know, he could be doing a serious role like when you saw him doing I think he did Patch Adams I think, yeah. and when he's done all of a sudden that, that whole switch kicks in and he's just the comedian it's, I think it's it can, you can put a, put the zone on like a coat 
Yeah. I had a guy at a men's show tell me, like, you can put it on like an overcoat. Like, like Michael Jordan, he could, like, just had the flu or whatever, just put it on, and he's, he's there. He's in that moment, like what you said. When you're looking down that staircase with that sled in the middle of a, a, a jazz game, and you're just like, you think, here we go. You you that little moment. Call it without having to get ready for a game. Do you think you can... Call upon the zone? Yeah, mentally pull it in there. Like, say... Yeah, I think you can. I think you guys can. I'd like to know. Like, you, you, you tell me Jordan couldn't do that when he decided to, or Curry, those guys, LeBron, like, they go into another mode. But that's... They're still in their game. Yeah. I mean, but I mean, yeah. you think... Say uh, you're lifting, you know, yeah. or something. I mean, think you could just switch it... I mean, and it's really weird. I mean, like, do you know what I'm trying to say? Yeah, I know. Can you pull it in for other things other than... Well, I think once you, once you, once you, once, yeah, I think you can. Because I think it's built in. I think it's like you're, it's like a mom lifting a car. I I think you tap into it. I I think it's like a different, like that's a human, it's a different realm we tap into, I think. I really do. I think you go into a different, you're in, think about your senses, like you can, you can feel like it slows down. I can feel the bat in every like where it touches my fingers. Like I can feel, like you know what I mean. Yeah. Like it, it feels like you could do anything and make a decision in that. Like what you said, you have like when you were telling me you were going down that sled, you have these random thoughts in yeah. this short window that seems like it lasts for like when you see when people get car wrecks. It's a thing there, right? Because they showed movies depict how everything slows down, and and then turn that athletically. You're in a your brain's operating optimally right then because you're so in the moment. That moment, I think, freezes and stretches for you. Because like when you think about it, like you said, as you're thinking, I I always thought it was cool too that like and you had mentioned it over there is, is the calm feeling. Yeah. Um, here I am doing this, but like I said, when I could hear my heartbeat in the handstand, it wasn't like dum 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 beating fast. It was just I just could hear so it. So in tune. It was, yeah, I felt. You were, there was no judgment of it. No. And then it wasn't until I came down, or I hit the floor, you know, whatever, that all of a sudden I felt the heart rate escalate and just, yeah, you know, everything. your your thoughts become. You started thinking in the future. You started thinking, what was that? What was I doing? Uh, yeah, it's weird. Yeah, it's it's a funny thing. I'm sure they have. I mean, to just see, like, so when, you know, to just see if when you get in the zone, what part of the brains are firing? Yeah. That'd be interesting. Well, I, I, I know, I know, the prefrontal cortex has something to do with it a little bit because where I had that brain injury and some of the, I, I would guess I'd call it post-traumatic stress syndrome. Oh, we got a we got a dog throwing up over here in the background. Uh, little fella. Oh, that's it. Keep on the carpet. That's, Keep on the carpet. There you go. <laughs> ah, girl. Ah. Oh, that's a girl. Yeah. <laughs> Good girl. Oh, still going. Okay. Oh, step. That's oh, right. The way his body is like convulsing in that butt, it kind of looks like uh, Johnny in bed. <laughs> you see those hip, you see those hip thrusts though. I was gonna say. Lucky Brooke. <laughs> He's just like, oh, yeah, that's it. Oh. Oh, I think she's hungry. Nothing coming out. <laughs> yeah, she's hungry. 
You okay? Get that. You can get that blue towel and just that blanket right there. So like how I remember seeing you and how I remember like saying like I remember we were in we were right right up on the bolster. So it was it was right on the border. It was Tulsa, right? I thought it was El Paso. Is it El Paso? El Paso, yeah. Yeah, it was El Paso. So we're in El Paso and there was this purple gorilla as the in game entertainment. And uh, it was it was it went on. It was it was the ladder when you get up and do the clap thing, right? Same way the jazz bear would do. The way the gorilla would run, a very distinct run, right? The way he would move and some of the the tricks that you were doing, interactions with the fans. Being a kid from Utah I was like that guy. That's like the jazz bear. That's like the jazz bear, like, and I was a gymnast. I could tell that the jazz bear was a gymnast that could do, because I grew up watching you. Not was. What? Well, <laughs> never was. Yeah. Was and never was and taught it, right? But uh, um, I could see him move and do things, and I was like, okay, I seem like jazz bear. So we're in the rain delay. Uh, uh, we're in the rain delay. I'm sitting outside the clubhouse of, in El Paso, and the guy comes out and he has the purple gorilla shirt on or something. And I think it was John. And John's like, well, do you pass over? I got my guy. Like, you had a guy that was up in the air. Yep, he was up in the tower. Up, up, in, the, tower. up in the light tower in the rain delay and the wind was like just howling. Right. So we're, ta- we're talking about that. We got to talk and I said, you know, this is like, have you ever seen the jazz bear? And he kind of looked, John looks at me kind of weird and perplexed like, all right, like what, like, he know me? Is he playing a trick? You kind of gave me a weird look, and I said, because that routine is eerily similar to the jazz bear, like eerily similar. Well, I remember asking you too, I was just like, you from like Utah? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, I grew up on the jazz and the jazz bear, and he's like, well, and at the time, you know, mascots, you have a thing when they're, starting to come in yeah after i mean because like the philly fanatic and those guys are the ones that kind of kicked open that door the gorilla the philly fanatic um the chicken ted um i mean so yeah we were on that peak i think you know when we were sitting there talking i think the thing that was cool to me is um because you know i came from the the minor leagues in, in the cba and the mbl and everybody was really approachable and it was you know and then when i got into the nba it was just the whole different world and i think what was fun is being able to um sit and talk to you you yeah. know what i mean because yeah. it's hard and you know that is yeah. it's just different when, when you get out of the minor leagues into the into the, the major leagues it, it's just different and who players are going to talk to and how they're going to treat people is, is a is a night and day difference um not everybody but some of them and what i really enjoyed was just sitting down and the fact that i mean because we talked for a while yeah it was a long rain delay yeah. and then my other favorite so i really like that's two hours i just enjoyed 
being able to just have a conversation with you. You know, I wasn't sitting yeah. there asking, for, you know, like... Yeah, we were just hanging out in a rain delay. I love that. And then my other favorite one was, uh, I think it was Eric McMahon from the Memphis Grizzlies. And he was doing a baseball game. I think it was him. And you told him to tell me hi, but you stuck up for him. <laughs> yeah. You, there was another player on the team that was kind of telling, you know, giving him crap and treating him like crap. Yeah. And you basically were just like... Hey, rookie. <laughs> is this when I was playing with the bees when I came down for that short stint? Nope. It was, you were playing for, I want to say it was the Angels. I was in the big leagues. And there was some player that was just being a, a, a jack to, to him, and yeah. you stepped in. And yeah. Like, hey, do you know John Epson? And he's like, yeah. And, and you guys talked. Then that, guy was, that guy's world changed. And, and then all of a sudden, that guy was giving Next thing you know, like, he's, hey. he's singing in front of the boss, taking his shirt <laughs> off like rookie should. <laughs> So that's he was funny. just like, dude, he was awesome. Tell that guy to shut up. <laughs> well, that's awesome. Yeah, I, I remember that. I remember instinctively doing that, and then you're like, well, I'm the jazz bear. I'm like, I was and like, that, you know I'm like, yeah, sure, buddy. Yeah, whatever. We're in, out here, and then kind of started talking. And then we, and then from then, it seemed like every off season after I knew you, every off season we were in Tosh therapy together, like. Like patching ourselves back up together after a season, you sliding down the stairs and me just playing one sixty two in one hundred and eighty days, you know, patching our, like pasting ourselves back together. It, it, it's weird because you were just doing your knee, I think. Oh my hell, that was a one. That's how long ago. See, that was. yeah. Um, so we've been we've been patching our, we've been patching <laughs> each other up for a while. Because it started with you know yeah, and I remember just you know it. it, it it's interesting because, you know, those off-seasons and how you maintained yourself yeah. is exactly what, you know, made you ready for the next year. And I know that there were summers that I didn't do what I needed to do. And I still remember all the injuries that I had that because I didn't train right, yeah. hurt myself right off the bat. And, and that was kind of my main reason, like some of the conversations we have and where we did, we were always talking about, each other's bodies and what we were doing to. I mean, to everybody get, know. Just wait. Right, right, yeah. What that actually <laughs> meant. Yeah. <laughs> well, we would see. Yeah, I, did say that. You, you I mean, we had to have some weird embraces because I know I know we'd be over at like we'd, I'd see you or Thurl over at the the gym, yep. and I don't know, us three would start talking with Thurl, John, and I like like we're in the jazz locker room or a regular locker room. Thurl Yeah. yeah. And awesome. and we're playing grab ass like we're in a normal locker room, and I think <laughs> like the normal public's looking at it like, what is wrong with these three over here acting like, you know, like, <laughs> so it was it was. Um, what well, and I think a lot of that though is I mean because you felt like you had something in common. Like, yeah. there's not many people you know, you know, come into spring yeah. and they're looking forward to oh I'm, I get to rehab and train you know they're they're looking for it's going to be fun on the boat and we're going to go camping. yeah we're going to yeah do this. you're not you're not there like because usually i was there doing you know, the, in passing it would be like what do you got today john well i'm doing my little back exercises mobility i'm going to go up to that pilates try to get some hip you know open up my hips a little bit Maybe some shoulders, then I'll be out. Maybe I'll be in the pool. <laughs> and then Thurl would be like, yeah, I got to get some pool work in for my knee. I got to. <laughs> but the thing that's interesting with that, too, is now that I'm done, is how much I'm pulling from that. You know what I mean? It's like, I'll be sitting there and I'm just like, okay, you know. I, and what else is funny, and I know you've 
been through this, is I can self-diagnose myself. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like something will happen or somebody will come up to me and they're like, oh, it hurts right here. And I'm like, it's your bicep tendon. There's a groove in it. Dude, <laughs> you totally. Can, you can literally be like this MD and I'm like, okay, I got some Voltaire and we'll put it on there. But through experience. Exactly. I've heard that. Yes. You've probably 100%. heard that every And I think that's funny. So, but I don't know how many times something will happen and I'm either like, mm, nah, I just pulled it. It's, yeah. you know, there's nothing bad. Um, and then I can already go, okay, this is what I need to do to. To maintain it, fix it, support the muscles around it. And I think that's like one of my things where I was like, well, John's got to be the first one. One, because it's a cool story how we knew each other way back in the minor leagues. Um, But also us being in the training room. Like, what did we do? You know, what what are some of the things that we did? And I think one of the things that which always connect us is we, we talked about gymnastics. Being that unique athlete to kind of have... Um, you know, your, your ability to be flexible, mobile, athleticism, balance, you know, all connected as an athlete, not just hitting a ball. Right. So I was interested in that stuff. Well, so, But I think you hit it on the head, like with gymnastics, um, something with my kids, you know, because we put them in gymnastics. I think, I, and this is just me, you correct me if I'm wrong, when, when it comes to sports now with kids, I think that we're doing them a disservice by making them play a sport year-round, or at least including another sport. And I just think gymnastics should be involved or should be part of every sport because gymnastics helps your flexibility, your core strength, you know, it just your your body awareness, your functionality. I think it helps that performance, getting into the zone, like what they were saying, putting on like a co. I think it makes you learn how to attract that or go into that mode or that mind frame too. So, and I just, you know, because there's there's a lot, like I told you before, is with my kids, watching them fall out on the soccer field, I'd see them rolling out of it, you know, it's all because of gymnastics. Or they were able to catch themselves. And there was a lot of kids, because they didn't have that training, they'd be running when they fell, they didn't know what to do. And they just, they would just fall flat on their chest and in their face, you know. Yeah. so I don't know. I'm yeah, there's several. There's that? there's several injuries that I I know that I've saved. Yeah. Because of the falling, you know, whether it's something at first base or rolling at home or 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 even knowing how to take a hit or give a hit at home plate mm-hmm. for plays of the plate, uh, football factored into that or hockey. Yeah. Like it's, I mean, when you're doing something athletic, can't help but expand your athleticism. And, I, and the thing that I say, too, with multiple sport athletes is that kid that's a dude that's a shortstop, which we had one on my, one of my son's younger teams, he was the dude. Like, he's the man on the baseball field, but he's a little bit shorter. The kid that's a little bit bigger and that's not the dude on the baseball field lacks confidence, kind of a big hitter, slow. He's the biggest kid. You could see his body will be legit when he gets older, but he's not quite run into it yet. You, that same season, you put him in basketball. He's the dude. Yep. He's now got the confidence, but also now that shortstop who was the dude is all of a sudden not the dude. Yep. He learns how to handle that. He learns how to work for it. Learns how to be work hard to have to move into that position. Well, that then carries over to baseball. He's learned how to work hard. Now he applies that to what he's already good. That shortstop is better. That kid that was kind of gangly, he was the dude in basketball because he was big and you know, size matters, and you can position, and he was, he was athletic. He just hadn't quite, now that confidence moved over into baseball. He becomes a better hitter, too. So playing a different sport 
you can't say there's not benefits. Not to mention the, the different risks, the different stresses on your body, I think, help strengthen you as an all-around athlete. Exactly. You know, and, and so do you, I don't remember, so like what era did you come from? Were you, like I came from, you know, I, in the fall I did basketball, winter was, bas- or fall was football, winter was basketball, and then I wrestled. And, you know, so I mean, it, I had my three sports, like, are you from that era? Did you, yeah, I had. I had fo- fo- yeah, I had football, school? basketball, baseball, and then I did some hockey. Like oh, roller, hockey. yeah, a little bit of roller hockey. So my brother was really in the hockey, so I, I, I did some hockey. So do you do you believe in the uh, putting a kid year round in a sport and focusing on that, or do you? Believe um, it's good to have? I think I I think that's it's like a fingerprint. It's all different. Yeah. I don't think there's one way or another to, you know. There's people, if you do one sport, you have to have put in your how to de-stress off of that sport, to unwind off of it. And also, like if all you do is throw a baseball, you'll, your body will get robotic and your athleticism, I think, peaks earlier. Because I think what's interesting is, um, like, so with my girls and stuff, and, and there was a number of girls on that soccer team that all got college offers, and everybody was like, no, we're done. <laughs> yeah. Because they were just... Ever since they were eight years old, you know, soccer, 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 yeah. soccer. And I try, you know, and that I was trying to get them into gymnastics and, and all this other stuff. But then it, the coaches were just like, "Listen, they gotta be." See, focused. I think they, I think that you get so. I think kids, there's a mental component of it that we're not addressing. Right. Like, if you want to be super competitive, and do that. But guess what? One percent of them make it. Right. And that that I'm one that made it. I was so naive. Like, it's not normal. And that's not normally going to happen, right? So, but why put that much stress? Not to mention the data says play multiple sports. That's what the scouts want, right? But I think we've made a business out of it, and it's also a lifestyle for people, which is good and healthy and all, compared to the alternatives, is you have an active lifestyle your family's engulfed in. But if you're not, if you're not, if you're playing that much baseball and not serious about it and not doing what you need to do to take care of your body, you're it's not going to last long. And there's, like I said, there's a mental component to it. As kids, are, like you're, we're producing post-traumatic stress in travel baseball. 100%. And, and I think that, because I th- I, this, this is what was hard for me is, and why I struggled with it is, you know, we'd be planning a family trip. We're going home, it's a family reunion, and we had to figure out who was going to stay with our daughter to get her to soccer, mm-hmm. to get her to dance. And you're like, you're kidding me, because I couldn't put my head around it. It's like, you know, it's just another dance or a game or whatever. But she will always remember this family reunion. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And it was hard for me because I, now that I'm done, I never realized how much I love watching these guys sneak up. <laughs> hey, hey, I'm impressed right now where's, at where's how my quiet puppy? you are. Yeah, um, I think what's interesting is how. Uh, how are we talking about? <laughs> I, don't, I don't. I really just, don't. I went squirrel. <laughs> I saw your ADD kick. I know. <laughs> no, I just think it's hard for me because you know my kids would remember that family reunion for the rest of their lives, but all of a sudden we're putting sports over over that. You know, yeah. The the uh, connection with family, and now that I'm done. I never realized how much I missed because of my, yeah. you know, drive to try and take this character to the, to the level it was. Yeah. And I completely forgot about my family. And now, you know, I, I regret it 
to this yeah. day that I miss birthday parties for my daughters because I was, you know, going to do All Star Game or I was going to do this. Yeah, right? That you stuff's tough. That stuff. See, that stuff. As you get older and you start having kids, that's a stress that when you're younger, yeah. dreaming about the dream, mm-hmm. you don't factor in, right. and it's a stress that's real because. What do you care more about than your family, your wife, and right. your kids? And when you're not there and you're a part of it, and then in the real world of punching out with 40,000 telling you you suck and you're away from your family, like it's, it's, a, weird, it's a weird thing. Because I, I, when you're going through it, like, you realize like, you're living the dream. And it's awesome. But then you're like, dream. yeah. But then you're like, family's at home. I could go home. And that's, I think, why, which we talked about this earlier, why I ended up coming home when I did. I could have kept being a backup, but that there's that mental component of it that was hard. And then that suffers in your play and then your lifestyle and then you as a person. Like I, I don't think mentally I could, could have played anymore, whether it's because I was soft and had to be with my family. I don't know, whatever you want to call it, but like I wanted to be home. And, which I told you, it factored in. There's a physical part. I wasn't, if I kept catching, I wasn't going to be able to ski. Right. And I was coming home. To, and, and the weird thing, like I'm, I'm an, I think I'm a professional athlete. Like I, as a person, I love to do athletic things. So I didn't want baseball to define me. Yep. When I was kind of thinking, should I go? Should I go home? And it played a factor. I was like, I want to go home and be athletic. Yep. I want to go home and ski. I want to go trail running. All those things I did growing up to kind of train for baseball. I want those to kind of be my main anchors in life now. Because, I, I mean, I love yep. the mountains. I love hunting. I love trail running and, and skiing. And I wanted to be able to come home and do those. So keeping care, taking care of my body and being like, all right, well, like for life, if I keep catching, I'm not going to do those things yep. ever again. And so, or I could go home because, you know, you're not skiing. Right. Well, and how we feel now <laughs> is going to be a dark difference compared to what we're going to feel like at 70. Yeah. I mean, this isn't over for us. Know. You know what I mean? As much as we're like, oh, look, I'm maintaining this. Yeah. There's going to come a point. Well, I already know that there's coming a point where I need to get my ankles replaced. Yeah, we're talking we're about, talking about that. And I just, it, it's just a matter of when. And it, like you said, all we're trying to do right now is maintain a quality of life that we can do what we want and have fun until that point comes yeah. that we're going to have to start getting replacements. Yeah. But you know the thing, and, it, and it's and it's more more so than ever. And this is why one of the reasons why I started like oh, let's just do a podcast, put out information, because it's the tools that I would use to patch myself up physically and mentally are the same tools that I think this world needs right now. Because think about stress: yeah. kids going to school, not going to school, ups and downs. Are we locked in? Are we not locked up? Are we open? Do tournaments going? This city shut down. Yeah. You know, and and how do, how do kids deal with that stress now? And not to mention the normal stresses. Some of these kids just being teenagers now, yeah. going through a pandemic and a weird election. Like it feels like it's all this blah blah to me. And how are these kids handling it? And so I was like, man, if we can give them tools, something they can relate with baseball, I know this helps in life. You know, so I thought let's start putting out some of those things that help me mentally and physically to rehab my body rehab my mind to get back to a season. And that's kind of where I started thinking this podcast to start doing some of that content just to bring up conversations about it. So uh, 
obviously you're you've you've been a perfect person for that to you've had plenty of injuries to talk about and discuss and and your process and that's why i think right away when the things that we talk about is is right away we're like how i stretched like if you see you're you're the one athlete who's older than me and more flexible than me that i normally like normally i'm more flexible Especially in the, at your level, I mean, that is... is yeah, but they're not, though. They're not. Baseball players aren't. See Adam! <coughs> See Adam and his man hands. Dad strength. Man hands, dad strength. You know, talking about, like, what everybody needs is, you know, it, there's so many different factors that fit into uh, athletes, or just regular people on any given day. And... When you were touching on it, I think um, for kids, you know, me not being home, you not being home, affects them. Yeah. And so that's where I feel like it starts is, it, is with every kid. Everybody wants to blame, you know, these bratty kids or this, you know, for doing this or doing that, and they blame the kid. But I, I personally blame the parents and I blame myself for some of the things that my kids have done. You know, with, they haven't done much, but they're really good kids. But my youngest is I really feel bad that I wasn't more part of her life. Yeah. I feel that that's the start of the problems that kids get with stress and stuff. Uh, we're not there. We're yeah. not working. And then we sit and lie to ourselves about, hey, this is what I'm supposed to do. I'm supposed to be out working and making a living and putting a roof over your head. And and what we're really doing, I feel, this is just me, dude, yeah, yeah. is I feel like that was my excuse for me being selfish to say, listen, this is my dream. I am. And this is what I got to do to do it. Right. To to do it. But it's for me. I sit there and tell you guys, it's for you, but I feel like, you know, Hey me, I didn't need to go to Houston and work his birthday party. I didn't need to go and do these events and miss my daughter's birthday party, you know, but I did it because I thought it was going to help the character advance, you know? Yeah, Yeah. And in the end, when I look back at it, 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 it didn't help a thing. And I feel bad that, that they're the ones who suffered out of it, and me, in a sense, because of the fact that I missed out on those moments in their life, and they missed out on that. Because I remember one time sitting with my youngest, and, and she just kind of blew up at me because we were having a little argument. And she openly said, and my middle daughter did too, is that, um, so my youngest got mad that, you know, and my middle daughter, that, uh, oh, now you want to be part of our lives. Yeah. And it hit me like, I'm telling you, John, kids say something like that. And it just, I was like, oh my hell, uh, you're right. I, I, that is my fault. And I did it. I can't blame anybody but myself because <sighs> that was my choice. Everybody's got a choice. You know, I did not have to do that for my job. I did yeah. because selfish, I felt yeah. like it was selfish. Yeah. So I feel like parenting with sports and just with anybody is key first to help a child and to help kids grow up is being there, and I think in sports nowadays, it's not about the kid, it's about the parents. Everybody's trying to live through their kids, you know what I mean? And it's like, I look at it as, for you and I, we're done. I mean, we lived our life, we did what we wanted to do, we played our game, and I feel like there's a lot of parents out there that are like, they never got to experience what we did, so they're trying to experience their kids, and and I think that's an injustice. I, th- I think, I, and I, and I think, and I think that's the passions there for those parents. But I don't think they have the right tools. Like if if they knew, because 
they're barking out three different orders to the kid hitting, right? And then grandma's telling him to smile and have fun. Mom has been on him about being more confident because he may be a shy kid. The coach has been yelling at him because he's swinging at high pitches. And then the other coach has been working him on the side on a on squishing the bug or whatever coaches yep. do. That's a kid's normal reality of trying to hit the ball. Yep. All those people barking at him at the same time. And then you get a parent who's intensely living through the kid. Yep. That's, a, that's a cesspool for post-traumatic stress syndrome. Oh, easy. And it happens every day at the park, like what you just described. So I feel like thus being what I was saying is getting some of these tools out. Because the parents, the fact that parents are locked in and kind of want to do that, passionately care about the kid or, or the sport or putting them in sports. That's not, that's not the issue. I think the issue is guiding them on, exactly. on, on, on what is there and then also giving them tools like, this is how you want it. By you doing this little 20-minute car, car ride there, being there, being in the moment, being engaged, letting them perform, talking to them a certain way afterwards, but with, you know, with real intent, with by design, and with a plan, I think that you start to learn communication skills with parents too. The parents start learning to talk with their kids about sports because it put them on the level, which I find a lot of my parents when I'm coaching with them and kind of forcing them to do that car ride to the game and the car ride home is your communication time because you can get very narrow focus and hear how a kid thinks when they're concentrating if you just open up those conversations. So I think that's a huge, huge thing because parents and being there is, that's a, that's a thing, it's, a, it's an opportunity to where you can get some connectivity with your kid oh, yeah. on, a, on a cool level. I mean, that, that's that bonding moment because hmm. I think a lot of parents mistake communication with yelling mm-hmm. and they feel that, you know, <clears throat> I got to yell at my kid and, and he's, not do, cause he's not doing what I want him to do. Yeah. You know? But then like you said, the parent isn't at all those practices. He doesn't know what the coach has been telling him. Yeah. Now, all of a sudden, like you said, is now the, the kid is sitting there like, you know, well, the coach told me to hit this way. I got my dad over on the sidelines freaking out. And and I think what is hard, like, so his name is B.J. Norell. He used to be on the Bud Light Daredevils. Do you remember the old Bud Light Daredevils? Yeah. The dunking team? Yeah. Great. He was an amazing dunker. But What's up, Coop? I need this dog. You need her? two. We're going to arm wrestle. You take her. This is Cooper. What's up, Cooper? I'm jealous. You kick her, pick her whole body up. She's big. There you go. Pick her bum up, too. Hold her by the bum. There you go, dude. I know. I just couldn't grab her from the bum. If I don't see you, have a good day at school, dude. I know. If I don't see you, have a good day. We did some ask some questions or, or had people to follow our page. Um ask about, you know, they were able to submit questions. And one of the questions is, um, you know, what uh, what happened with, as far as exiting the Jazz? Is that a good situation? I know there was an article that was put out that you were fired. Did you guys already talk about that? Not really. No. Really. no, no. Is that something you want to talk about? Or no? Yeah, okay. yeah. so... Uh, a lot. Uh, we can talk about that. Off. <laughs> There's a lot going on with that, but yeah, I don't care. Tell us about that. Well, really quick, though. Yeah, sorry. With kids is is uh, in Portland. That's where he's from. Um, the parents were uh, just so aggressive and yelling at their kids, and um, there were so many fights between parents on different teams. Yeah. But they literally said they banned parents from, from the games. games. 
And for two years, that was that way. And uh, BJ said that the kids were playing and laughing and, and like having fun playing the game again. Right. And then all of a sudden, you know, the parents were like, oh, no. and then they came back and they fell right back into the hole. But he said, you know, for those two years talking with his, his daughter and stuff like that, that it was just so much healthier for them because they were playing the game for them. For love for and passion. Yeah. yeah. And I just, so I think like when you were saying about, you know, that what you need for this, for the tools, I think the first one is, you know, it starts with the parents and the kids, the communication and letting them choose what they want to do. Because it was hard. Like my first two girls played soccer, put our third one in and she was out picking daisies, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so we knew she wasn't really into soccer. And I know that some parents are like, nope, you're playing soccer. And yeah, of course. So we had to pull it, you know, pull her out and pull her, put her in gymnastics. And she was great at that. But we were just letting her make her decisions. And she ended up in dance, which was amazing because she's an amazing dancer. So she, she found that one talent and that one sport that, that she excelled at. Yeah. You know? And I'm just so glad that we were able to just say, all right, you know, it's, we're letting this be your decision. Yeah. And so that she can follow her passion not our passion yeah so i think that's my son yeah my son cooper is the same way he's he he would always say why do i have to be with a baseball family because he he enjoys soccer and i didn't know much about soccer yeah i do now i'm obsessed with it because of that right and then by letting him his own and then also uh cooking so his passions aren't really something that i have but i've learned a lot you know because letting him choose where he wanted to go he went down that path of culinary and soccer. And, and I, but I think there's a lot of parents that struggle with that. You know? Yeah. Like I struggle with the fact. Well, already, like I already get people like, if you just, like it's assumed that your kids are going to be these ball players yeah. or athletes, right? And I have a lot of friends that are like, dude, my kids don't want anything to do with sports and I love it, yeah. you know? Well, look at, uh, look at Pace Man yeah. and Yeah. Good Lord, his kid's amazing. Yeah. Thorough and his kids, you know? I mean, there's, it's fun, Stockton and his kids. You know, his, uh, oh, yeah, I son. played for the Jazz for a while. You know, I mean, it, it's fun to see that, and fun to see their children following in their footsteps. Yeah, but you know, I. It's got I, that's a whole that's got its whole world of challenges too. Yeah. Being that kid, do you, I mean, do you think there's this that much more pressure on a child like that trying to live up to what their father? I think it's. I don't think. I think it's different. Like, so when I watch Brody go through stuff, I think there's more, there's more, there's more pluses than there's minuses for sure. Do you think Brody's just like, like he doesn't get, in a fun way, he makes it in a fun way. He, he says, I'm going to be better than you. Like in a very yeah. good, healthy way. Um, so I think it kind of drives him in a good, healthy way. But um, I think it helps him because he. Like every, it's very normal for him to be around a ballpark. Mm-hmm. Still, like it's like he doesn't. I mean, there's a kid that's getting texts and pictures from Turner's. It's like it's not normal, right? Justin Turner sending you videos. It's like every not every every kid wishes they could have that. But how much of that does he remember from your? Playing? He knows quite a bit because he was obsessed. How old is he when you? I, know, I guess it was four years ago. So he was. I guess he was seven, eight. Seven, six, yeah. So he he's still locked in. He was front railing type kid. Knew what pitches were like. He's a freak. So what's he play right 
He's he plays short, catch, pitch, second. Played third, yeah. The team, the little team he's on, is pretty good. We we beat the number one team in the nation the other day. You tell me about that. Didn't they bring like two teams together? Yeah, there's well, half the kids were from Virginia. I think half the kids were from from LA. Well, which is and then this, and this Utah team kind of put it on them the first. You know, I think they were like, "What? Well, who is this?" You know, because they get to play year round. You know, yeah, they play year round. Yeah, and, then, yeah and, they, and this is the first game. All our kids. This is our first time because I I love promote multiple sports. So uh, this is our first tournament back. So at the end of the tournament, when we faced them again, every single one of our kid had like sore arms because it's kind of the first time. Because we were all just having to pitch once, and we were going to stress them out. So we were trying to play it safe, but also compete with the number one team in the nation. Beat them first game. Second game, they they brought in, they flew in some kid from L.A., lefty. Yeah. Who's a, he's a dude. Really? Oh, he's a dude. They had a few dudes on that team. I, I think it's interesting, though, I mean, because I think teams that are the underdogs always have that advantage because they have nothing to lose. It's well, they, defi- they definitely came in. And it was, it was funny because it started the game. The guy doesn't know who we are from Adam, right? They're just some other Utah team. And Brody, my son, gets up first pitch. The kid's just like, boom, right? And takes the first pitch. Brody kind of winks at me. And I'm like, oh, okay. See, that's what I'm talking about. He just doesn't, the RPMs don't, he just is always on chill mode. Doesn't seem like he's stressed. Where even I would have been like, you know, with someone throwing that hard, he just, Winks at me like, oh, okay. Hits it, burns the guy in center because Brody's kind of smaller. Burns the guy in center, hits a leadoff. What? They were playing up. Yeah, we're playing up a little bit. He, and this guy in centers, we played him later, stole all sorts of hits. So burns this guy in center, and then we get you know manufactured. Uh, uh, Ashton Shul, uh, this is actually uh, uh, Sean Bradley's little nephew. Speaking of Utah athletes, yeah, so crazy good athlete. His sister played volleyball up at the U. Yeah, she was she's she's a stud athlete too. So he ends up going off the two eighty five dead center top section of the fence. Boom. So we were up, I think two nothing at that time. Uh, Ashton's actually pitching, and I'm telling you, he's either up on top of the hell's you know the batter's eye, or he's dialed in black and he was dialed in black that day and just was like first pitch was like halfway up the backstop you see them over there kind of looking smuckering and then after that it was zot 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 then he's like breaking ball whoop and then you kind of see their team like who's this kid like all of a sudden you're like this kid's special and then so he pitched an awesome then we brought this kid in that was funky shut him down beat him three to one but they they came ready in championship though that was the first round, like last game of pool play. And so I think it, we got their attention. Then throughout the game, the guy came over and started talking. He played, he was kind of up and down guy and then found out who I was. After that second inning, found out who I was and was like, all right, we got to switch some things out. <laughs> hey, what's bring out? He started moving guys in and out. It's like, oh, we got to switch gears here. This is a decent team. And uh, so, yeah, it's, we played really well. It was fun. Yeah, I've been geeking out in the in the youth baseball stuff. So that's awesome. Why we're why we're here doing this really is is to put out content to try to help educate and and, and my thing that I when I as I'm 
when I came into coaching this, I'm like, oh, okay, let's just have fun. But then I started seeing what's lacking. What you said, that you hit the nail on the head, what you think it is too, is the parents. You always hear coaches say, oh, these parents. See, these parents. And then you hear the coaches like, oh, the kids are different. And these parents are terrible. And then you hear all the parents like, these coaches aren't the same anymore. He's screwing my kid. Like, you know, what are the normal problems? So I was like, I think I can bring solutions to that. Like, I was good at making a clubhouse atmosphere good. And who, I'm in the unique position, platform to be like, Dad, shut up. Yeah. Like, be qu- you and I both want him to perform. Be quiet. Yeah. And here's, here's the science reasons why. And when you talk to him, talk to him in this order, in this manner. And when they start seeing their communication between their son get better, their relationship get better, and then they see that their kid's performance stays more consistent. He's walking with more confidence and conviction. And he's being more disciplined with things. And that's all just being mindful of where your thoughts are and, and, and giving those tools to the players and the kids. It's, I don't know. It's, it makes you want to give it more because you see all they're doing is learning how to be a peak performer. And it's benefiting all these other atmos- you know, these other arenas of their life. And the, and the biggest the biggest impact as I'm coaching is so it's parents and the kids' relationship. Because they start to realize your child's more than a baseball player. Right. Your child starts to realize I'm more than a baseball player. Yeah. You know, and so I think those are healthy things that's a thousand percent not out there enough. You know, I think a lot of times I mean, it's just with sports, people get wound up. The thing that I liked with some of our co- coaches were, his name is Miguel, you know, because you'll put your kids in sports, and those coaches care, some of them, all about the win. It, yeah. it doesn't matter as long as we win, you know. Yeah. And what I loved about some coaches, like this Miguel, is, is he cared about the techniques. You know, he cared about, at, at, at that age, when you're starting out that young, and up until maybe 12, 14 years old, you know, he wanted to teach technique because then that's going to help them in the older stages. Yeah. It's, it's hard when you have a coach that really doesn't want to teach them anything. They just want to recruit all the best players so they can win. Yeah. And that's hard for me because I remember growing up is that's how we really worked on was technique, you know, and, and the skills. Yeah. Um, and now it's, it's not as much about the kids as it is the coach getting his record. Yeah. You know? and I, so I think that's one thing that is wrong. I think that skills should be the fundamentals so that these kids can take those uh, fundamentals and stuff like that and use them later in their career. Yeah. Uh, I think parents, like you said, is, the communication is, is huge. Um, and, and I just think that... Uh, when it comes to, I'm trying to remember what you had said. Um, when it comes to uh, uh, kids and sp- uh, I don't know, right? I, my brain just went squirrel. <laughs> we and, <do> that. <laughs> and cut. That's it. Uh, I had a great thought thing there, and I was just like, that. and I, mean, I freaking. That's that's the concussions and brain injuries. No, I swear to you, dude. You know how many times, like seriously, my wife goes, "Are you stroking?" Because I'm seriously like, there's times where Brooke. I. I did that too. Say the most random shit. And she's looking at me and I'm like, I have no idea where that came from. What, I, what I'll do too is a lot is I'll be driving and Brooke's like, where are you going? Like I'll get on the street or where it's like, where are you going? I'm like, oh, I don't know. It's like, where are we? And like, I, I don't know. I, I like zone out. And then, and then the other thing is, is 
Don't forget me to remember names. Oh yeah. Like if like I can remember your face, your shoes, your shoe brand, and how you stood in the box before I remember your name. I can't like your knit like I can remember that stuff and what we did like, but I can't remember. It's you know weird. What I've been doing this whole time. So I met Ken, Adam, Jordan, and it's funny because every time I, if I visibly see you, I'd be like Jordan. Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't say it, but in my head, I'm like Jordan. I'm trying to. Well, I've, I've been reading. I've been reading some books. Uh, uh, Nathan Garne gave me a book that's to do with the tools of that with the name, and it's uh, even when I do those drills, it, it'll it'll go later. I forget the drill that it goes with. I don't know. It's kind of weird. Then, uh, but but my brain will attach like, oh, he's open stance, slider away. <laughs> you know something that's always amazed me? Um, so I was out to lunch with Frank Layden and Ron McBride, mm-hmm. and it was epic. Like, have you ever, like, been somewhere and you're like, I didn't, I don't even think I spoke the whole time. I just sat at the end of the table <laughs> and just ping-ponged listening to their stories. It blows me away that... You know, um, cause I remember talking with Jerry a couple times, but and that time at lunch, how coaches and some players can remember stories of specific uh. times, who was out there, the score. Frank was talking about a game in the seventies, and he it was like four minutes, three seconds left. This guy had the ball, and he and I'm like, how do you remember? Yeah, that? I've been I don't, cool. I don't understand. It's, it's those you know those zone moments we're talking about. They're taking that snapshot, and he can get details to you. Because I think it, it's that that snapshot zone moment where you your brain can conceptualize all sorts of weird details. Because I think your senses go higher. You go superhuman mode. It's I, but I epic. Yeah, I love listening to the, the history oh, I bet. of that stuff. You know, just like because uh, so you're forty, right? Yeah. So Dave's. 50-something, you know, so it was fun because he was on a podcast and we were talking, and I loved listening to him talking about the old coaches, you know, managers, some of the old players that I remember in my, I'm just like, I mean, just that vintage stuff, because I think sports has changed from, you know, years ago to what it is now in the, in all levels, from kids to pro, it's just this weird change, and, you know, I'm old school, so I'm not really happy with it. <laughs> but um, but I think you know, going back to what you were saying, kids. I think the main thing is the mental, like you said, the mental capacity for these children, and especially when they're young. Because I mean, you correct me if I'm wrong. I'm not really looking at their how they train when they're at that age. That's why you know when we were talking about skills, I'm like yeah. they should learn the skills. They should have the support from their parents. They should have the support from their coaches. And um, learn what they need to learn when they get older. And then when they get older, that's when, you know, the, the, the training comes into me. Because I, yeah. I don't see trying to make this eight-year-old, you know, working out and conditioning. You know, at that moment, at that age. I think you're learning, you're learning connectivity of the body. And you're with, learning how your body moves. You're yeah. learning just seeing, like John Stockton. Look, look at how he could see the floor. Yeah. You know, you don't just have that. You have to learn that. You have to focus, and, and, and that takes years of experience. Um, just like you, you know, um, 
who is moving up and who's going back, you know, and your signs and you see this player. I mean, you learn that. Yeah. That, that just doesn't happen. And I think that is what you should be taught for these kids when they're younger. And then um, the other thing, and then that's when, you know, when, as they get older, that's when the whole training and yeah. taking care of your body. Turn up the intensity. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I just feel bad because a lot of times they, they put it all on these kids. Yeah. So with us right now, we're just now at 12 years old. It's when people are starting to be like, I've had more this age. Like, when should we start lifting? And how should that look? Yep. Right? Which I think that's right in, right around this right time. They start to hit puberty or whatever. Kids start wanting to. And, uh, I don't think I hit puberty until I was 22, just so you know. Yeah. I was late. Yeah, I was. Yeah, I, was I, I grew up late. Like, I, I was a late. Because my, after my senior year, I put on like 20 pounds. Astros like called me into the office. Yep. They're like, um, come here. <laughs> my first offseason. But I had my tonsils removed. Yep. So I put on like 20 pounds and grew another inch. Do you ever feel that? Like when I see pro athletes, they always seem like man-childs. Yeah. You know what I mean? They're just different. You, you, you walk. It was funny because uh, we, uh, we took all our little lumber kings, my son's team down to spring training we walked around Florida and Alex came walking up and was talking different players were just coming up visiting saying hi or whatever and as they'd walk up every time they're like god he's big I didn't realize he was so like because they all I think people all see me and then all of a sudden everybody is my size and everybody is either bigger or they have some sort of tool that makes my tool look average and then you're like dang that's and around Utah, like I was, I was a legit ball player. Like I was, but around the world, I'm against the legit players. I'm kind of average within the major leaguers that are the, the the elite. And then all of a sudden, you're around all those kids that make that pool and make that. There's some good-looking bodies <laughs> that are like you see it in their face. They look like they're 12, yeah. and then you're like. He stole a thirty-year-old's body. Look at the quarterback for he played for. Uh, oh no! Look at the quarterback for BYU. Yeah. He looks ten. Three, like two fifty or something. And he looks ten, and yeah. I'm just like, that's crazy. But his body is different, you know. Yeah. But there's like, like even Colton Shepard, you know. I remember when he was playing with BYU, he was just a big. Yeah, just a. And I remember when he was in the college home run derby, they compared him to Babe Ruth because mm-hmm. I mean, he was just. Big. Just big. And when I would see new players coming in the league and stuff, they always looked older. But in my head, I'm like, they're only 22 yeah. or younger. Yeah. And they looked like, I mean, I don't know. Put together. Put together. And I just, I never understood that. It was like, I could always tell, like, it was like, yeah, you're going to be a pro athlete because they just were, they developed faster. Yeah, yeah. You know, it was just weird. Yeah, it's, you just see it. It's a special body, that's for sure. So, like, when, when you're talking, you know, preparing you know that and i think we brought this up earlier is when we were talking is i think it's interesting that you know with uh exercises and and uh supplements and food and stuff you know everything feels geared towards the younger generation you know these kids coming in and uh i feel like our generation's been left behind a little bit yeah like nobody everybody's just like yeah you're kind of out there fending for yourself and like i said earlier i sometimes catch myself trying to train like i was when i was yeah and then I hurt myself. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I feel like now more than ever, they're starting to put more emphasis on uh, rest and recovery. Yep. And I think that's, and the earlier you can do that, I think it benefits the end of your life too. Oh, yeah. 
you know, if, if you're able to, to, well, kids can start that now with, you know, rest and recovery, ice, you know, doing heat, oh, heat and sauna and then uh, doing ice baths, learn how to control heat shot proteins in your bodies to, you know, get rid of inflammation the correct way instead of popping Advil and stuff like we used to, right? right? Or throwing on the pills where I think where we were, throw the Band-Aid on it and then go where technology is helping them a little more now uh, with their health. I always ask, you know, Gary Briggs and, and Brian Zell and those guys, I'd be like, so how, how many Advil can I take? like, yeah, take four, it's whatever. I'd be like, okay, eight. <laughs> Dude, <laughs> and I I'd just, be like, oh, my kidneys. No lie. <laughs> no lie. I remember, I remember, and this is something bad to admit, but I remember in the minor leagues or in Lexington, I hit a few balls just right at people. And I was like, you know what? I just got the Adams disease, and I took a new pill from everything in the trainer's thing. Wow. That's stupid. Right? <laughs> so stupid. Yeah, I, I think I, I probably hit a couple doubles <laughs> and had to do it again the next day. <laughs> Yeah, it's a ball play. If one if if one pill was good, four is better. That's yeah. Yeah. and I I was always that, and I was real mindful of that. That's painkillers were that was something that that would have been dangerous for me. I know my wife had to get on me one or two times, but it's like it's something that I mean I've played on three or four Vicodin before. Yeah, I, yeah. I did every game on more time. Yeah, and then. Um, like, I remember not having it, and I'd be freaking out because I was like, that, you know, because in my head, it was such a routine, and, you know, you get yeah. through routines. It's funny to me how athletes have, I think most athletes acquire a routine. Yeah. Well, they people, it's not superstition. It's a, it's a routine, it's just, a ritual. It, and it just, it's just a way to get you ready for that game. And, and my routine would be, you know, this is what I would take and do and this, and I'd stretch and and that routine got me into the game. And I remember one time not having Lortab, and I, f- I ran down to the trainer's room. I was like, I need a Lortab. And yeah. Shields is looking at me, and he was just like, you know, you can't have a Lortab and go perform. And I go, I do it every game. I go, I need yes, a And he's no, like, you do all that in Lortab? I'm like, yes. When my back was bad, I was a couple, I was hitting balls in the major leagues. You know, Oxycontin out of my mind. Whoa. See, Oxycontin would have knocked me out of my butt. See, that's like I had to do it to feel my heel. It was, but it's sad that it's not sad. I mean, it's interesting because we talked about this. Because I think it's funny how, when it comes to us, I feel like the older generation, and that's why I was talking about that, and I miss that, is the fact that we just sucked it up. We did what we needed to do to play. You know? Yeah. And I feel this newer generation, because it happened a number of times with my kids, you know, where the coaches or whatever were, were rough on them. Right? Yeah. They were just a hard coach. Yeah, it's a little rough for men. Oh, you know, he's this and this. And there were parents that went, oh, I'm going to fight that battle for my child. Yeah. And I was the guy that was just like, listen, either you either got to work harder or you got to go and talk to the coach. I'm not talking to the coach. Yeah. This is your sport, not my sport. Mm. And they had to work through it. And I'd always compare it. I'd be like, listen, when you get into a job down the road when you're older, and if your boss is a jerk, what are you going to do? Come yeah. to me? Yeah. I don't know. You're going to have to work that out yourself. Yeah. And and I think it was a disservice when those kids had that happen and the, the parents, parents took over. take over. Yeah. yeah. And I think it, it kind of bleeds into the new athlete today is, you know, we worked through it. We figured out, okay, I, it, it's like a, 
I'm trying to think of like you had you had to you had to learn through your failures and your experience rather yeah, than yeah and, and it was like our motivation you know like it was like no I'm here to do a job I'm going to do it the best I can and I, I I will get through the pain and now you have these kids that are coming in and they're a little hurt and they and they they don't want to push themselves that far. Yeah. I don't know if it's a good or bad thing, yeah. but like uh, an example is, uh, I think it was Darren Williams back in the day, he had toe turf, or turf toe. Mm-hmm. And I remember he didn't play for like two weeks. And yeah. you had John and Carl and Jeff and all those guys that would just tape it up, go out and play. You know? yeah. But then these other guys come in and, oh, I got a sprained toe, I, I need to just sit out. Um, I don't know, I think that's interesting that that mentality. You know, yeah, it's a little different. Yeah. School mentality of, you know, let's let it heal. Yeah. Let's not push it. Yeah. yeah. And, but I don't know. I mean, maybe it's good. Yeah. Maybe it's bad. But yeah, it is different. But I think science. Hopefully, we can uh, narrow down what's best. Yeah. All right. Um, well, this has been fun, man. I, I hope. I hope we. Uh, I. Th- I think. Are we may- done already? I th- I Unless think you want to take a couple jazz spare questions, yeah. I'm, I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do it. Just keep talking. I mean, I don't know. You, what, you uh, drive. Do you drive it? You tell me what you want to know. No, what, like so, what was to you one of the most exciting moments, like uh, as in your career there, as far as a game or a moment or a new stunt or something? <laughs> yeah, my, mine's the mine's the sledding down the staircase. Yeah, that was epic. Epic. That's awesome. I love you guys for that. But I don't know. I mean, it'd be like this. It'd be like, what? Okay, let me throw it back at you. Do you have one experience that you're like, oh, yeah, that was the greatest? The thing that's hard. The All-Star game. That was pretty dope. But there, it's hard to narrow down the one experience because it felt like, especially with your career, yeah. my career. There's a lot life, of cool things. Yeah. There were just so many cool things. And then I think it falls into brackets. You know, a great experience for me was being able to make a moment for a child, you know, uh, like Spencer Roundy, taking him out in the wheelchair, meeting Carl Malone and all those guys before he passed and, and making that connection with him and, and being friends with him and his family and then taking uh, the Bear Christmas shop out to Price, Utah and creating yeah. Spencer's Wishes, which is a Christmas shop, you know. To me, that, that's an amazing moment. Then there's the, like you said, the stunts, you know, the, the first time when I did from the upper bowl, the sled, from yeah. all the way yeah, yeah. down, I think that was pretty cool. Uh, was that your idea? Yeah, and then, you know, the other one was riding a bull. I, I got to ride a professional bull, and I mean, that was cool. Um, so I, I think, you know, Benny, but overall, like, if you think about games, like, just like you, when you said All-Star Game, I think the finals, those two years were epic. And just I think, the energy of the crowd uh, and feeling that. The thing that's hard with something like that, though, and I'm not, you know, if, I'm sure you can relate, is you sit there and you go through the, the week's, building up to the all-star game then you're in the all-star or the final yeah, yeah and then i mean you're you're up early and you're doing shows and tv shows and videos and you're doing all this stuff but then when it's over like what happened i mean you're it's done right mm-hmm. they move on they're doing their parades and all that stuff and for us it's just like done there there's no weaning yourself off of that adrenaline uh, hi, and yeah. i remember going through a small stage of depression with that. I remember getting out of it, and I'm just like, you know, there's got to be more. And it was, there's nothing. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and that was hard. But I loved the finals. I loved doing all that. Um, but when it ended and we didn't, we didn't win, it was hard. Yeah. Hard, hard mentally. Yeah. Yeah, people don't talk about I that. I was struggling. What, what's the story around uh, for 
what happened as far as leaving the Jazz or how that went down? How did, how did uh, so when you, going so great with the Jazz, nobody would have thought there's something. You were mascot of the year that year or the year before? That, well, that year I won best video out of all sports, out of all mascots, and then I did mascot of the year, video of the year, and stunt of the year. And then you, to only to get fired. Only to get fired. <laughs> so it's, 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 it seems a little it, out of left field for the public, I guess. Possible. Well, but if you look back at it, is it, it had been brewing for a whole year because we had management change. So this is, it was more or less people and you inside operations, right? Oops. It was, it, that was more or less uh, the differences were you in management inside yeah. somebody. I mean, it's just, you know, because and, and people have said it is like, you know, you're always one management change away from being. Yeah, yeah. For 24 years, had an amazing relationship with our managers and they understood it. Um, then we ended up getting a brand new management team. And uh, I used to report to my boss or straight to the president for years. And then. The new guy came in, Steve Starks, and then it all changed. He buried me seven levels down, and then he put Jeremy Castro over me. And um, like you said before, is you know he he he's not a good guy. Me and him, uh, they wanted to change the character. They wanted to make it less popular. They they didn't like the character competing with the jazz and popularity and stuff. And then in so he did too good of a job. Too good of a job. <laughs> And they wanted to change it because, like I said, you know that, that survey came out. Yeah. And how I got you know ninety six percent approval rating and third in popularity behind Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell. And then a week later, they want to change a character, and we uh, we we struggled, Jeremy and I did. And then in the fall, because they kept saying it was my fault, and then in the fall, uh, that survey came out from the NBA, and Jeremy was the worst manager in the company. And that's when I went, all right, I'm done because. Uh, Jeremy's one of Steve Stark's minions and didn't want him to be fired because of me, you know. So they just worked their way for that next three months to just get rid of me. And then, so when I got let go, all I was told is we're going a different direction. That's what I was told by Steve Starks. And then um, in my agreement that I signed, it says I retired. So yeah. it just, it was, it was crap. Um, but now that I look at it, it's, it was a blessing. Because yeah. I look at how they're treating Anthony, the new mascot, and the fact that they got four guys that are doing the pair now. And yeah, like, yeah, I feel like you can tell, too. Yeah, I mean, so it's just they've taken the program and they've just squashed it because they don't want it to compete with the team. Yeah. Um, because he, they want their own legacy. Like, oh, look, this is our team. Everybody focus on this. And the fact that, you know, he doesn't go out and do, his, you know, the charity events. Um, there's four of them. Uh, the fact that, uh, you know, I don't know. They, it just, it's really hard for me that, you know, that, that year too when I got let go, uh, Jeremy took game operations and made it the worst in the NBA. I mean, it's just bizarre to me that. Where it was. And then he got a promotion. <laughs> so I, that's what I think is so funny. It's like, you're the worst manager in the fall. You took game operations, drove it in the ground, worst in the league. Hey, in the spring, we're going to give you a promotion. It's like, I don't get it. But that's the, kind of the mentality right now. It's kind of a good old boys club over there. Yeah, I'm sure it'll be shooken up now with... Uh, with Ryan? Yeah. I hope so. I really do. They need it because the morale and the, the culture and stuff is toxic. It really needs to be fixed. Yeah. So. And that, and that deal, I don't think that Gail still owns the bees then, right? 
You know, I don't know. That that's, that's so it. weird because they either own it and Ryan is just in charge of the management of it, but that doesn't make sense. Huh. I, I think I think why would he want that? Well, I have to investigate that. I agree. No, that would be it would be awesome. What do you think the odds are of getting a protein here? Um, I think we're I think our market's ready for it. You know, I think uh, plus we're growing. Good we're like obviously, yeah. Obviously, we have plenty of people yeah. coming in from California and, and continue to grow. I know when I was when I was in and around, I know Utah was being talked about as one of the cities. It's at the top tier of that. So, um, whatever I can do, in any capacity, whatever I'm around, trust me, I'm throwing Utah in there, yeah, and awesome. and would love to be a part of that. Yeah. So. Uh, Whenever I'm at the winter meetings or around baseball officials that are, have anything to say that would be a part of that vote of that, um, trust me, I'm always I'm always giving a Utah plug to try to get a team out here. I, for sure. I, I think too, like if, if they end up putting a team right at the point of mountain where that prison is, yeah. I think that would be the greatest spot ever for a baseball for stadium. I mean, how the B Stadium's beautiful. Oh, the B's is all. Kind of and I think their lease is up soon, but I mean, it's still one of the prettiest parks there yeah. is in the world. I love that park. With the, the view. Like, I grew up dreaming, hitting there, actually played there. Um, I mean, I love it. I love the history of the baseball there. I mean, history nerd of all the. I remember going to the Trappers games there oh, Dirk, yeah. at Dirk's Field. Yeah. Yeah, I love that stuff. It's it's bomb. I, that's one thing I love too is when we would go. Me and my assistant Aunt Luke, we would uh, go do baseball shows, you know, around the country, and we'd always bring our gloves, mm-hmm. we'd hurry up and get out there before everybody did. We just, I love the feeling of being on the grass and just throwing. It's something about a summer afternoon taking batting practice. Like the the one of the coolest moments is when you get to early batting practice before fans are there and you're taking BP. And just. And, you know, guys, just balls cracking. I don't know. It's, it's the greatest sound ever. <laughs> it really is. No, I wish I would have played baseball, but I, we didn't have it in my school, so I never yeah. had a chance to. So if you could, out of all the things that we've talked about a little bit, like you're a 25-year-old kid, and, you know, what do you think is, and put it this way, take that back, instead of the 25-year-old kid, any person from 20 to 60 or older, whatever, what is the one thing, that you would say is the most important thing that they should do? Flexibility. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Yeah, flexibility. Because then that gives you mobility, which leads to strength. That's, yeah, that's what I was going to say. See, you copied me. That's because it's the... I think you saw my notes. It's, 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 <laughs> the, quarters, it's the cornerstones, I think, of being athletic and, and, and stable and balanced and what connects athleticism. But what blows me away is watching how flexible you were when you were doing the handstand with the split leg. <laughs> impressive. I don't know. I think it's just, you know, because uh, like my dad and my wife's grandpa, actually, you know, they both lived to be in their 95, you know, they were 95, but my dad worked out on the farm every day until the day he slipped on the ice out in Minnesota and broke his hip. And I don't know why the hip is the kiss of death, but I think the key thing for her grandpa and my dad and their longevity was just being active. Yeah. You know, Keep your mind and just body stimulated. You go out and you do something. Yeah. And, and I think that is kind of a big thing for me right now that I, I am trying to do is I, I don't watch TV that much. The thing that I'm trying to get away from right now is because I never did social media oh, yeah. ever until I was done. And and I feel bad for kids because I really feel that, that is what oh, it's their addictive. phones 
is what's killing uh, the me. thing's addicted. I start. I got started getting a uh, a text on my throat, like you know, on the, yeah. where it shows you your screen time and all that. Yeah. You look at that, and if you're looking at that, and you get it. And you're just like, oh, discuss it with yourself. Yeah. I, that's all I needed. It, it, just by seeing that, it knocked it down probably an hour. Yeah. Just by seeing it, so it's actually a pretty good tool. But, Think about an hour. Yeah. An hour of my wife. Life. I just got back of doing this, yeah. what, and all that does is that's an extra hour I'm saving of getting, like, uh, whatever. Uh, what are the things? Dingleberries that hang from your ass. <laughs> it's what, a dingleberry. Uh, uh, what do they call? Uh, uh, hemorrhoids. Oh, hemorrhoids. There's <laughs> just all that extra screen time on the pot doing that. That's You're true. just avoiding hemorrhoids. I just think, you know, because I tell my kids that all the time. I was just like, quit living somebody else's life. Yeah. You know, and, and I think that is what's going to, I think, believe it or not, that is what hurts younger kids to, yeah. you know, the whole flexibility thing is a, is a must. I 100% agree, but I think right now, at the age, you know, that these kids from 12 to you know, they're 21 or whatever, it's the social media that's killing them. They're not out playing. They're not out socializing and talking to people. Everything is through their phone, and it's mm-hmm. killing them. I mean, I really believe that. Um, and then once you get past that, then I think it's more uh, nutrition. Mm-hmm. I think people don't put enough into nutrition. Um, and then once you get older, then, like you said, flexibility and, and just maintaining and, and just moving. Yeah. Don't sit your ass on the couch and watch TV. Don't, you know, it's move. And it, it'll... Move or die. Yeah. yeah. Dude, thanks for... Uh, is there any... Because where, where, uh, I know you're involved with a lot of stuff around town. What are you doing? I know with the golf, do you do uh, better time golf? Good time golf, do you work with them? The good time golf? Throwing names. I don't know. I don't know what you're talking about. The good time, the good, the, it's called a good time golf. It's like a, they do like charity golf tournament stuff. Oh, 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 I know what you're talking about. No, it's not good. It's, uh, you work you with came me. Out to, you came yeah, out to that's what I said. I was just naming off no, events no, no. that I've been to, I've seen you at. So, so, what I've been really fortunate with is after I got done, is, you know, and just like you, and I know, you know, Bill Schufenauer, right? Yeah. I mean, he has the same feeling, and I think all, and this is where we get into the depression with athletes and stuff, yeah. um, is I think once you get done doing what you love so much, is you feel that your self-worth was that catcher at the mound wearing the jersey. That's yeah. that's how people like me. That's yeah. who people are attached will, to yes. that. And when I got done, I felt the same way. I was like, well, God, I'm, you know that was my vehicle to help with charities and I didn't feel like I could yeah. as me. And then I did and I, and um, all of a sudden I realized that I can actually do more yeah. like this because just like you, yeah. our connections and the people we've known and so that's what helped me a ton so for that, that next year all I did was focus on charities and then we started working for charities uh, Andy Chud and myself and what we really want to do is in my time as Bears, I saw a lot of charities start, and about three years later, they'd be gone. And it was just because a lot of them don't know how to put on events. They don't know how to run their 501c3. They don't have the contacts or the connections. So we're trying to bring all these charities together and give them support and the uh, tools they need to make their charities grow. Longevity. And yes. And we're yeah. trying to make sure that we're educating people out there as well 
that, you know, because everybody in the big court, they're just like, oh, here's United Way, or here's this, or here's that, and they give to these big charities. Where's it going? What's exactly. it going? Yeah. But if you give to the littler charities, you're helping your neighbor, you're helping Directly. a family member. I mean, you're helping, yes, and it stays in your community. Plus, a lot of people don't realize they might give $100 to a bigger charity, but literally 60 to 70 cents on that dollar is actually going to the It's going to pay fines and the big corporations. To where when you give to the littler charities, you're talking 99 cents on a dollar, you know, so you're getting way more money going Bang towards for your the bucks, right? Yeah. 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 So that's that's where I started, you know, that's what I, my passion is, is I love connecting and helping um, charities uh, succeed. So that, yeah. I mean, that's really my passion. Where do, if people want to find that, where do they find you at? Uh, www.workingforcharities.com. Workingforcharities.com. Yep. And then uh, the other part of it is... Uh, Alinko Costumes um, asked me to come on board, and uh, I've been helping them with their uh, with their costumes. They're the ones who made my costume. Yeah. They're uh, currently one of the bigger costume companies in the nation because a costume company in Minnesota just uh, closed okay. because of what's going on. Yeah. So now we've, we've stepped up. Oh, that but, could uh, be cool. They uh, do basically about 60% of all sports mascots in the country. Yeah. So I've been helping them, um, Terry and Jill and, and Nick and those guys, the Allen family, they're just amazing. Uh, but I, I really um, love it because it still keeps me in contact with, just like you yeah. and the baseball side, I get to go to the mascot meetings, you know, the, yeah. the conventions and stuff. And I get to go to winter meetings and stuff, um, which that's kind of funny. I I was excited to go to winter meetings and they just shut them down. They're yeah. going to make them uh, virtual. virtual yeah. like, eh. But I don't know. So, I mean, that's what I'm doing, you know. So, you know, you guys can go to alincocostumes.com and uh, check out our site because we sell masks. And we're trying to recreate ourselves right now because I, whatever happens with the election is going to really dictate what happens with yeah. sports. Yeah. And the world. And the world. You know. Yeah, it's election day. So, we're, so we, do we know within this? Do we know who's know. president right now? We don't know yet. All right. But we, we went patriotic. We got our flags behind I do like that. That is honestly, I, I don't know if people can see this, but these are baseball leather skins, and that is like the most cool. It was actually, I took a ball from every ball, I'd catch a ball and run off the field and put it in this is it ball in this ball bag right by the duck. Yeah. The what? Are they written, is it written on there somewhere where they're from? No, it's just those are major league balls that we had in the game, and when I would catch it, you know how the catcher would yeah. run off the field sometimes? And you keep it in- I just keep it, throw it in a ball so bag. How many balls are in there? It's from 162 games. Wow. Honestly. So this is the yarn inside. No way. Yeah. I never knew that. I touched that, but I didn't. Yeah, that's, I, that's so you know the yarn, how they unravel it? That's the yarn that's underneath. And then the white stars are the... Uh, it's the leather. She just cut it. Like a cut the... Right here. Wow. That seriously is the coolest thing ever. Uh, Nicole? Yeah, she did it. That was uh, Brett Hayes, who was my backup. That's his sister made that really? when I was in Miami. Yeah. Dude, you need to, that's, any baseball fan would die for that. Isn't that pretty dope? You, you know who is really cool with baseball is uh, Fisher. You know Fisher, Todd, and Aaron? Yeah. I think Fisher, Todd, and Aaron, Fisher, yeah. Todd, Fisher. Yeah. So uh, I went over to his house one time, and he's a huge baseball fan, and he's got a check from Babe Ruth. Oh, so he, I'm trying to remember, somehow, I don't remember how he got it. I just know that Babe Ruth was in front at some store, signed a $3 and some odd cent check, and the guy gave him five bucks to get that three dollar and some odd cent check, but it has his signature in the oh, check. Oh, that's a cool one. And then he's got uh, 
come on, I can't believe I just forgot his name. I got a patent for Ketra's mask. A what? A patent, like a patent, submit, submitting the Seriously? patent. Yeah. From who? Just from collections. But I mean, who, who, who submitted that? Oh, just some guy who came up with a mask. The idea for yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, back in the day, yeah. And then I got to saw the original one when I went to the Hall of Fame and then saw the original mask. It's pretty cool. That's way cool. Yeah, so, I love that old, that history of throwback stuff. It's pretty something cool. that I'm not sure about. So, because you know in hockey, they never wore masks for a long yeah, time. Yeah. And then I remember seeing a goalie and he looked crazy, like stitching marks all over his face because he never wore a mask. Yeah. Did baseball players always wear masks or did they not have one for a while? They didn't have one for a while. Really? Yeah. Yeah, they just had the backwards hat thing. Jesus. And then they threw the metal thing down. It was, yeah, Auburn double days type stuff. Just getting so. your pitch right at your face. Yeah. Oh, man, that's just wear fun. It. Just that's wear fun. It. That's what, the, that's what <laughs> the catcher's fingers used to look like. Your little pinky. Oh, I, yeah. They suck. Yeah. I can I'll, I'll do laundry, and I'll put my hand in there quick, and this will just pop out. I hit my, my father-in-law, because he was doing me soft toss, hit the ball back. Hit his pinky, ripped it off. Uh-oh. Dude, it was oh, yeah. it was nasty. To this day, it's fused. Oh, really? It's fused like this. He said he had it like he fused it kind of semi-close. So when he makes a fist, he was like this. Wow. It sits in its fused close. They, they want, I'm so glad I didn't do this. This is another one of those moments where a voice told me. So I, I tore the tendon out of that thing, uh. so it's been gone forever. There's nothing in there, and the doctor's like, "Yep." Oh. And this was when I was about 18, and he was like, and it's funny how I did this, so we're, we were, God, listen, Jordan, it's funny. <laughs> so, just how stupid you are. So we were sitting there at this park. I graduated. I was in Minneapolis. We were just drinking some beers, and I was chasing my, my best friend's dog because it got loose. And when I reached down to grab the collar, I kicked my own thumb, and I remember <gasps> it going, and I could feel it hit me here. And I was like, damn, that hurt. And I just thought, oh, it's just stunned. And I went over to grab, and I went like that. And I was like, what just happened? And I literally... Thumb was just hanging. It, 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 there was nothing there. Oh. So then I went in, and he's like, oh, it's going to be super arthritic. we got to fuse it. He was going to fuse it. And the day that I went in to fuse it, I sat in the parking lot, and I just sat there and was like, you know, I don't want my thumb to be like this for the yeah. rest of my life. Yeah. And I didn't go in. And I'm 52, no arthritis. And I, it actually is... It, the muscle, you can see how it... Oh, it looks weird. Thumb, yeah, it's weird. But it, <laughs> it's, it's it doesn't look normal. It, it, like the muscle around it or something. I don't know. Yeah, it yeah. fixed it. Well, our bodies are amazing. They adjust. How they adjust. But that's also why I have my walk. Because I never walked like this until my injuries came in. And you know how it happens. Yeah. I got a bad ankle, so I'd favor it. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, because you're favoring it, something happens on your and other Your right side. hip yep. starts hurting or your left ankle. And then it, it, that's when my walk came from. Because I was always injured, and then I'd have this weird ass balancing act, yeah. and then it looked like a weird gate yeah. walk. <laughs> well, if you weren't so athletic, John, that's the problem. I'm not. Well, thanks for being the first. Are you kidding me? Thanks for having me. I have zero clue if I answered any of your questions right or not. I, I think just know I don't think there was a. I don't. I think we. The fact that we did it is the right way. Good. I don't think there was any rules or regulations on this stuff. Perfect. I just know that. No, seriously, what you're doing and with this podcast is. Um, very needed and very informative in the fact that um, there's a lot of people out there, you know, and there's a lot of information out there that that people get, and 
I like you, you know, we were talking before, there's no one right way, but I think that there is, you know, like you were talking is the mental, I think, I think people forget about the mental health when it comes to you, uh, as a child into your adult years, um, the flexibility, um, functionality, Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people overlook that stuff. Yeah. And uh, I'm hoping that, you know, with what you're doing here, because I want to watch, I want to hear what everybody else says. Yeah. I'm really excited to see what kind of, yeah. you know, what kind of uh, well, techniques yeah. people come up with. So we'll dive into it. Thanks for being a part of it. And you kicking it off. It's, it's great. Makes <laughs> it fun. <laughs> I got my face in your eyes. <laughs> Signing out. I love it. All right. <sighs> Perfect. That was a fun little hangout sesh. Great to meet you. I, I, dude, I sit, I'm sorry. I, I just sit.